0: Very nice. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to those over in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as those who watch us on television all over the place and online all over the world via the Internet. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, we have hoo uh, Today is our uh, Missions Sunday, where we take a special offering at the end of the service to give to missions, outreaches, and they vary wildly the types of things that we do. Uh, and uh, anyway, so we want to take a look at our update. So far this year, sadly, this is the first time of the year we've fallen behind last year. Boo. We're at 65000 versus last year at this time. We're $1,000 ahead. So I say, why is that? Well, I don't know. I presume... <laughs> people quit giving. I don't know. Uh, Perhaps we can adjust that today. Uh, Let's be very thoughtful and intentional and be as generous as you possibly can in uh, giving towards our missions. Um, One of the things that we do, of the many things that we do, is we uh, support some of these uh, orphanages around the world. We have an orphanage in uh, the Adamant Islands uh, in India. And uh, this particular orphanage and all these Christian orphanages in this area are being pressured by the government uh, and and are asking them and requiring them to do things that are very expensive for them. The goal, of course, is to shut them down. The ones that are shutting down, what happens to these Christian kids, they are now shuffled off into uh, Hindu orphanages. Uh, Certainly not something we'd like to see. Um, They have put pressure on the uh, orphanage that we're supporting They've got to improve their dormitories. or are going to shut them down. It's going to cost them $45,000. They've already raised $17,000. we are not the only church, uh, but uh, we are one of the major churches that support them. So if you could be very generous to helping that cause uh, today would be, would be great. Let's, on this wonderful Mother Day, Mother's Day, give to those who don't have any mothers. All right? So... Let's keep that in mind at the end of the service at all our campuses. Uh, today, of course, is Mother's Day. We are in, a, in the middle of a series. Every once in a while, I do these very long series. <laughs> this one is called uh, The Significant Events of the Old Testament. We're in a pause. We'll pick it up next Sunday. In a pause because there's other things that we need to talk about throughout the year. But we take our time with these things. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not planning on going anywhere as long as I can still breathe and stand straight up. We'll just keep preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. So anyway, uh, today, being Mother's Day, you know, you're always thinking, okay, why am I going to talk for Mother's Day and something? So I'm talking with my wife the last week or so about a particular subject, and she says to me, you need to preach this on Mother's Day. And I was kind of shocked for a couple of reasons. One, this isn't really a Mother's Day message per se. And secondly, in all the years I've been doing this, the number of times my wife has asked me to speak on something has been about zero. So it kind of caught my attention. I went, wow. She said, yes. I said, this is a mother's? And she says, mothers need to hear this as well. Uh, And I said, okay. So today's message is entitled How to Deal with a Jerk. (coughs) (laughs) And and all the mothers said amen. (laughs) right. yes. (laughs) My wife is experienced in this living with me. All right. So let's talk about How to deal with a jerk and the jerks in our lives. Now, let's start at the basic, in the beginning. In the beginning, we come to faith uh, to God through Jesus Christ. We ask him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our lives. And his spirit enters our heart. It's what Jesus called being born again. New life is breathed into us. And you can tell the difference. Some people, it's rather dramatic. Others, not so much. But you can tell. All of a sudden, you feel whole. Because the truth of the matter is... Every man, woman, and child ever born into this world is born stillborn, spiritually speaking, okay? We are made in the image of God, and like God, three in one. We are also three in one, body, soul, and spirit. But because of sin that entered in the world, our spirits died, and we are born, the Bible tells us, spiritually dead. That's why people throughout all the world can tell something's not quite right. There's something missing. There's something that needs to be fixed. And people desperately are trying to fix this thing. Some think, well, money will fix it. Other things, drugs will fix it. Other things, if I can fight the right love in my life, that'll fix it. But it doesn't fix it. And people, by and large, throughout their entire lives, spend a very futile effort trying to fix this problem. But the only way it can be fixed is to have God touch your spirit and bring life to that spirit, uh, through Jesus Christ, and that's what makes you whole. It's a wonderful thing. We talk it; we call it being saved. There are several different ways the Bible refers to it. But in Ephesians, we read these words, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So you can't earn it. You can't buy it. Uh, you can't just try and be better than you are, not so bad. Uh, that's all an exercise in futility. The only way you can set this straight is coming to God by faith and allowing His grace to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and bring you new life. And it's a very powerful thing. It's a life-changing thing. It's why we sing. It's why we celebrate. It's why we give. It's why we do what we do because we're so grateful for this life-changing experience that has been changing millions of people's lives, countless millions of people's lives for the last 2,000 years. But... It's not an automatic situation where everything is made perfect in your life. Uh, How many of you know that despite the fact that Jesus lives in your heart, some of y'all still have issues? (laughs) Yeah, including me. We all have things that we haven't quite dealt with yet. The Bible challenges us To grow. Now that we've been born again, we need to grow in our faith. See, Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you have to work, 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 and go through all the formulas and all the exercises and all the chantings and whatever you got to do until you can finally be accepted into their religion. And you got to study it and you go to their classes and stuff. Christianity, exactly the opposite. Christianity, you start by immediately connecting with God. These others are all trying to do things to connect with God, and they never can, because that's not how you do it. Christianity, you immediately connect with God, even though you're dumb as a brick. You don't know anything. You don't know anything about the Bible. You don't know anything about it. You don't really know how to live out your life yet and stuff like that. But yet, immediately, God connects with you. It's like heaven kisses the earth, and you're caught right in the middle of a smack. And life comes to you. But now, now we need to grow. We need to learn. Uh, in the uh, epistle to the Philippians in the New Testament, we read these words. Therefore, dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not a one-time deal. You've got to keep working at this. The Bible calls the process, and this is a big biblical word, theological word, it's called sanctification. Don't let your head melt on that. It's very simple. It just means to purify, okay? Okay. Even though uh, we are now new creatures in Christ, we tend to get a little muddy inside and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to purify us and to continue to work in us. Again, in the New Testament, we read these words, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ so god is sanctifying us still purifying us now here's the thing about cleaning things up and this without a doubt all the moms will relate to just because you clean something once doesn't mean you're done forever all right if anything these things these things need to be revisited over and over and over again Even, if, of course, mom's saying, well, if I didn't have all these people making a mess, I wouldn't have a problem. Here's the thing. You could take a house, make it completely clean, shut the doors, don't let anybody in, and you'll come back, and it still needs to be cleaned. Eventually, if you wait long enough, it's all covered with dust and bugs and spider webs and stuff like that. It's like it never ends. We live in a fallen world, and everything in our world is constantly decaying at some level. Even men who deal with mechanical things, engines and stuff like that, You would think, gee, one of the best things is never run the engine, it'll last longer. No. The opposite occurs. It's really bad if you never run your engine. I used to have an airplane, sold it several years ago. But one of the worst things you can do for an airplane is not to run it. It'll actually make it worse. So that means you've got to run it to keep it in good working order. And, of course, as soon as you run it, then you have to clean everything because it's just the way of life. And it's the same with us. Don't get discouraged in your Christian experience that all of a sudden you get to a point where everything's good and I'm all set and it's, we're done. Because you'll never get to that place because we live in a fallen world and we constantly need to be tweaking and cleaning just like everything else in our lives. There's a you know, fairly familiar phrase, uh, I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. All right? So while it is a growing process, and you can tell, man, we're a lot better off if you've been at this very long, you're a lot better place than you've ever been in the past. But you still have issues, and you still got to deal with things. So the Bible calls us to improve our faith. In Ephesians, the New Testament, again, Paul writes these words, get rid of all bitterness. Why? Because you can get bitterness. And even if you deal with your bitterness, someone will come along and make you bitter again. (laughs) It's just the way of life. And he tells us you've got to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Christians can have rage and anger. Oh, yeah. And then you've got to get rid of it. Even brawling and slander. Some people get nuts, along with every form of malice. And there's all kinds of nasty versions that people come up with. We're rather creative in that respect. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So just like God forgave us, we got to forgive us. Why is the Bible always saying you got to forgive people? Because people are going to tick you off. They're going to do something. Somebody somewhere, somehow, is going to do you wrong and make you mad. And I tell people all the time, if you've been coming to church and no one at this church has ticked you off yet, you don't come very often. And shame on you. You should be coming all the time. Now, we know as Christians that we're supposed to be walking in peace, right? The peace of Christ. We read, again, in the New Testament, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. So we're supposed to be walking in peace. So we endeavor to live in peace. Now, what we do is we basically manipulate our surroundings so we can live in peace. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. But we have to be careful not to fool ourselves into thinking the reason that we have peace is that we've finally gotten to the perfect place. And we have no more issues. Now, the reason that you're doing so well is you intentionally get rid of the creepy people around you (laughs) that tick you off, right? That's exactly what happens. And we deceive ourselves. James wrote in the New Testament, he wrote these words, do not merely listen to the word, talking about the Bible, but, and so deceive yourselves, because that's what you can do. You have to do what it says. We are very good at deceiving ourselves. We, f- we convince ourselves we're okay. And I mean, we really believe it. I mean, there's times where I think I'm rather fabulous. <laughs> and I should know better but I think this is great. I'm doing great. Everything is great. I'm living at peace. And then somebody ticks me off. (laughs) So we create this environment thinking everything is good until we encounter a jerk. Now, the jerk upsets everything in us, and we find ourselves reacting rather nastily. But when you react, you're really showing what's in you and I always tell single people when you're dating don't just look at the way people act look at how they react okay because anybody can act that's why they call it acting alright how do they act when the heat is on do they react nastily and get all crazy and stuff like that and see you see that and then you think well that's not normally how they act hello that is normally them. Always remember this, young people. Or old people. There's all kinds of people still, still trying to get in on this deal. All right? You will date the act, but you will marry the react. Let me tell these people. You will date the act, but you will marry the react. Don't just blow off crazy behavior in someone. They start all working all psycho and crazy Of Get away from them, man. Find someone who isn't quite as crazy because you're going to end up with that for a long, long time. So the jerk upsets everything. We start acting out bad, and we're shocked. Have you ever been shocked at how you reacted? I have been quite mortified. (laughs) I have. It's like, "Oh, oh, well, that isn't normally me. Hello? That's the problem. It is me. We think that the jerk is the problem causing the internal disruption. So, like an infection, we attack it to make it go away. And we get mean. In fact, we do everything the opposite of what Paul said. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving. We don't do that. We attack these people. And you go after them. And we need a grab, just like you're trying to attack some kind of an infection in your body. But no, that's not what you're supposed to do. The jerk is not the cause of your bad behavior. The jerk is simply revealing you need some cleaning to be doing. You need the Holy Spirit to come and clean things up in your life. Okay? Now, Proverbs, uh, Solomon wrote these words. Solomon is referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. Brilliant beyond measure. He wrote these words. He says, if you falter, in other words, you fall, you stumble, you make mistakes, you whatever. Whatever. You falter in a time of trouble. How small is your strength? Now, think how radical that is compared to the way we process stuff, okay? Because if someone falters, we think, oh, that must have been really heavy for them, you see. The reason they falter is because they had such problems. Oh, the reason they stumbled is because it was so bad. It is this that made this happen. They trip it up. It's got to be bad. Solomon says, no! If they falter, they're just weak, because there's stuff, it's, stuff can't grab and ruin your life unless you let it. Now, many people believe that the trouble with the icky that is inside them is the result of their environment, other people. And that the answer is to simply fix the environment. In other words, get rid of those people. This is so true when it comes to where you work and the people you work with. If the people you work with constantly bring out the nasty in you, though, you have to understand something. It's not the people. It's you. Because there is not supposed to be any nasty in you. See, we're convinced that a lot of people I've talked to people, you know, oh, pastor, I got this job. I hate this job. It's a terrible job. Everybody's like, ah. Now, I have no problem with you choosing to work wherever you want to work. And a lot of times you want to move somewhere else. You can find someplace where you can succeed more, better opportunities. And I always say, follow your opportunities. Okay, The big saying today is follow your dreams. That's what Hollywood says. Nah, don't follow your dreams. Follow your opportunities. Because <laughs> God will open doors for you and make things. Don't, a lot of people just blow off their opportunities because they're out here in la-la land and they never accomplish anything in life. Don't do that. Make the best, the Bible says, of all your opportunities. That's what the scriptures say. Look for these opportunities. Okay, So I have no problem with people going from job to job looking for better opportunities and stuff like that. But a lot of y'all, the reason you're jumping from job to job is because everybody takes you off all the time. And they make you mad, and, and you don't react the right way, and, and you're all upset, oh, and you think it's someone else's problem. when in reality, all it's doing is showing what's still in here. You haven't let go of stuff. We all have to grow. You need to let the Holy Spirit fix what's inside you. You should be able to work with anybody. And here's a biggie. You have no idea how many people I talk to that say, Oh, pastor, I wish I could work for the church. Oh, that would be my answer. Oh, if I could just work for Christians, this would be great, all right? And they live in this delusional world, thinking that if they live, worked with us all the time, that everything would be peaceful. And then sometimes we have to hire different people, and they come to work in the church. In the beginning, they are ecstatic. They can't imagine this glorious opportunity has fallen upon them. And then about six months later, they're going crazy because Bob is a jerk. Bob and Mark and Joe and everybody else. I mean, at some point, we tick you off. And then they are shocked. And they become so angry and so bitter towards the kingdom of God because I thought you were supposed to be Christians. When everybody says that, I feel like slapping them, you know. But that's where I got to work on stuff. All right. (laughs) Are they supposed to be Christians? We are. What do you think we are? We're just as jacked up as you are. Relax, for heaven's sakes. Now, people do this just even if they don't work for it, just volunteering in church. They're convinced this is going to be great because they get to spend time with all these wonderful people. And by and large, they are wonderful people. But at some point, someone's going to come off as a jerk to you. How do you react? Those people, they're supposed to be Christians in that church, and I just get so upset. they get mad and they leave. But they'll go somewhere else, and the same thing will happen to them. It happens over and over and over. Because no matter how fast you run, no matter how hard you run, you can't escape you. Because your problem is wherever you go, you're still there. Look, you should be able to live out our Christian life even in the most hostile of environments. Look what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Well, we don't want to love them. We want to get away from them. Have you met my mother-in-law? No, we just want to get away from these people. But no, you're supposed to pray for them and love them. And in doing so, you may be the children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to shine on the evil and good. How come you can't? You just want to make your sun shine just on good people. He sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. How come you can't do that? Well, I just want to give rain to righteous people. Jesus says this. If you love those who love you, whoop think and do I got a different translation. <laughs> I want to do my own translation of the Bible. That would be awesome. It would be highly entertaining, wouldn't it be? It would be plain English, man. Everybody knows what's up. whoop think and do Who cares? If you love people who loves you, what's the reward in that? There's no credit to that. If I'm really, really nice to you and you're really nice to me, you think, wow, I'm a nice person. No, you're not. You're just nice because I was nice. You're a nice person when I'm a jerk, and you're still nice. That's when you're a nice person. That's the credit. Jesus said even the tax collectors can do that. They all hated the tax collectors. Today, we just hate the taxes when not so much the people. And if you only greet those of your own people, what are you doing more than others? Even the pagans do that. We're all nice to people we like. That's why we're around them. And that's fine. We all do that. Nobody intentionally wants to put jerks in their life. I get that. But if you're only kind to people who are kind to you, it means nothing, God says. That's what Jesus said. You get to heaven and say, Man, I was great to this person. I did this, and I took this lady, you know, something to eat and this, and this. Yeah, but those are all your friends. They're the ones who actually tolerated you, they liked you. How do you react to people who don't like you? How do you react to people who tick you off? Married people do this all the time. I hear it, you know, and what I do. Pastor, I just, <laughs> he brings out the ugly in me. It's him. If I get rid of him, I won't be so ugly. No, you're going to be ugly all the time. <laughs> and we don't want to believe that. It's shocking. We actually get close to someone, like in a marriage relationship, where your wife is bringing out the uglier of you, and your husband's bringing out the ugly, and you are convinced it's them. When well, the truth of the matter, look in the mirror. It's you. All they're doing is bringing it out. Say, well, they drive me crazy. I get it, but just revealing what's inside of you. As the crowd goes quiet (laughs) how do you deal with a jerk you love them you love people that don't love you you're kind to people who are not kind to you we are to be patient with those who are not being patient with us and can I confess my personal sin (laughs) I'm great with almost everybody except in a business environment because business people tick me off because you always get some bureaucratic nitwit who can't think outside the box and it ticks me off and it ticks me off and I start to lose it and I think it's them and I got to realize, no, it's me. I need to grow. I need to let the Holy Spirit clean me up. I should be able to love even the biggest idiot. All right? And I'm, <laughs> I, mu- I must confess, <laughs> we have this one event. My wife and I still laugh about this day. This Nimrod at some store, I can't remember. I don't see how some of these people keep their jobs, honestly. But they are making me mad. I am getting madder and madder and madder, and the redhead can see it coming, all right? So she starts walking away from me because she she knows what's coming. I don't know him. I'm in aisle 32. I'm over here, you know, and I get madder, madder, and I finally had it, and I walk up, and I'm ready. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just waiting to get the next words out to tell this idiot what I think. And as soon as I step forward, he goes, aren't you that one pastor on TV? (laughs) And I went, well, yes, actually, I am. So that makes me a big, fat, stinking hypocrite. That's what it makes me. And in my case, it's really hard to misbehave anymore because everybody knows who I am. But we all have people that drive, but we got to learn to be kind. When you see the ugly rising up in you, it's time for a cleanup. That's when you come to the cross. You ask God, God, I still got issues. Help me love people that tick me off. Help me to be patient, not to overreact to people. And things, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. There was one time in my life, a few times I've got it right. (laughs) You know, but then you got to clean up again, right? I remember some years ago, I was working at some business, and this was way back when I was like, Twenty-five or something like that, and working at this place, and I'm working in this office environment that's all mostly women. So I'm surprised by all these chicks. I'm with these chicks, and I walk in thinking this will be great. I'm working with chicks because I think chicks are not mean. They're meaner than guys. They're way meaner than guys. I mean, they lied to me when I was growing up. They said y'all were sugar and spice and everything nice. And I got in a... (laughs) Whoa, what is this? And these chicks made my life... They worked as hard as they can to make my life a living hell. They were mean and nasty to me. What'd you do? I just kept smiling and kept being nice to them and kept being nice. And they just hated me. One day after being abused all day long, I went by a florist and I ordered some flowers. I said, can you have these delivered to these girls tomorrow such and such and such? They said, sure. You want to put your name? I said, no. <laughs> so the next day there were all of a sudden these flowers come from these girls and they are lit up. Oh, this is awesome. So they get on the phone and they start calling everybody they know because they're convinced somebody that they knew sent it to them but nobody had sent it to them. And they were so confused and finally they, did, they didn't know. And I finally said, I sent them, and they didn't say a word. (laughs) They never liked me, but they stopped being mean at that point. So at some point, you just get, but it doesn't matter whether they stay nice or not. We are called to be nice to people, even to those who irritate us, those who take us. Now, let me be very, very clear. We are not talking about tolerating abusive people. I mean, like physically abusive and stuff like that. If someone is abusive to you, you need, and even emotionally, if someone is truly abusive, you need to remove yourself from their influence, okay? That, that, that goes without saying. But even then, while you're negotiating that, we are called to be kind, patient, loving, and forgiving towards even those who are abusive. We are never given the green light to be mean. To be nasty, to strike out, to get bitter, angry, and unforgiving towards anybody, even of the nastiest. As, the, as Paul wrote in Thessalonians, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, clean you up through and through. And it's an ongoing process. The good news is someday we'll leave this place. and We won't have to be constantly cleaning things up. We'll be in heaven with him. And it'll be a wonderful thing. In the meanwhile, stay focused, stay intentional, and only rever- always realize those who bring out the ugly in you are just showing the ugly in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness. I thank you for all these wonderful women today. Bless them, all these moms and stuff like that. Moms, dads, everybody, as people of faith, are challenged with what I'm talking about this morning. Being kind to those who are not kind to us. Help us to truly live out our faith. And when we see that we're falling short, help us just come to you and ask you to fix whatever's wrong inside of us and to love those who do not love us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Mother's Day.